Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Careful making wishes in a dark, dark, can't be so women hit that rock and the sides in the mean, mean time. I'm just dreaming of tearing you That is hammered out to deep left field. Forget about it. Big fly from Mike Trout and the Angels have tied. Hey, I'm Trent Rush. This is Brandon Marsh, the Los Angeles Angels and 66ers baseball. This is Joe Adele here with the Los Angeles Angels. Tori Hunter Jr. You're listening to the Old Angels Podcast. What is going on, Angel fans? This is Dan Garcia from the All Angels Podcast. And kind of like I was mentioning before, I'm going to try to start try to start doing more of these uh, standalone interview podcasts when we have guests that um, come on and want to come on and talk Angels baseball. So um, if you follow us on Instagram and on Twitter, which you should, and if you don't, start now. That's Halo underscore Haven on both Twitter and on Instagram. Right now on there we'll have the uh, Jonathan Lucroy interview uh, from the time we went down to 66ers during his rehab start a couple days ago. So that's new on there. But I was like I was saying, if you follow us on there, if you've seen me post, uh, you know, our guest today, uh, returning guests, which is always cool when the guys have a, have a good enough time on the podcast and, and like what we do enough to where they have no problem coming back. So whenever we get these return guests, it, it's awesome. Um, but today's guest is Rhett Bollinger, again, of MLB.com. He's the beat writer that follows the team. And we're going to talk, uh, you know, obviously trade deadline, uh, lack of trade deadline, you know, kind of where the Angels are going to go now. Um, but that's definitely going to be the main topic for this interview. But again, um, if you don't follow us on Instagram and Twitter, make sure you do it now. It's Halo underscore Haven on all of those uh, social media sites. And if you want to get in on uh, a podcast that me and Johnny do, want to ask a question or leave a comment, um, the best way, the easiest way, the guaranteed way for us to see it is uh, at allangelspodcast at gmail.com. you know, we look at comments on, on Instagram. We, we look at comments on Twitter. We don't always see them just because there's a lot of stuff on the feed and, and stuff coming in and out. But um, to guarantee your question or guarantee your count, uh, comment on, on the show, the best way to do that is definitely through the email. And again, that's allangelspodcast at gmail.com. So definitely, if you have a question, comment, or anything like that, make sure you drop us a line. So like I was saying before, this is our special... Uh, standalone interview podcast this week, and it's a Rhett Bollinger of MLB.com. Before we get to that, it's a new season. Antonio Brown is a Raider. Le'Veon Bell is a Jet, and Odell Beckham is a Cleveland Brown. The only thing that hasn't changed, where I'm putting my money down on all the games. My bookie is the best place to bet on football every weekend. My bookie has has better business and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. This year, this year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed 
to win at least, okay, you ready for this? At least $100,000 and it's only going to cost you $100 to enter. You know, you gotta, all you got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb up the leaderboard and score your share of a huge cash prize pool. When that's my bookie, it's always the right play. You bet, you win, they pay. My bookie has live in-game betting on every NFL game. They've got the most reward player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet on the under, over, and how many fantasy points a player will score in each game. Join now and get up to $200 in free bets. Use promo code ANGELS to activate the offer. Visit my bookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code ANGELS when creating your account to claim your bonus. Get uh, bet when get paid again it's mybookie.ag um check it out football season is pretty much started depending on when you're listening to this the the hall of fame game has either happened or um is happening right now so again um definitely check it out but again uh red bollinger of uh, mlb.com here we go i like to welcome back uh a returning guest, which is always cool for us having these return guests. It kind of shows that we're doing something right. Um, but our guest today, my guest today is Rhett Bollinger from the MLB.com, beat writer for the Angels. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on again. It's fun to be back on. Yeah, it was great to reach out and then, like I said, uh, have returning guests. They're always fun for us because it's like, hey, look, we did something great. So um, obviously going forward, you know, we're recording this a day after the trade deadline. Angels make pretty much just one move. Um, Max Dassey, what, what do you know about him and, and, and kind of the, the procedure that went to making in, making this trade? So Max Dassey is a guy that's known for his defense. So he's been around for, you know, parts of seven years here uh, with the Astros, so he has some experience. Um, he's never really been much of a hitter at the major league level. Um, his best season offensively was last year. This year he's kind of having a down year, and I think the Astros decided to move on. You know, they traded for Martin Maldonado. Uh, Stassi's out of options, so uh, you know they couldn't send him down without DFAing him, so they instead decided to trade him for the Angels. The guys the Angels gave up, two young guys, um, have pretty cool first names, though, Ranger and uh, Rainier, but they're not really real prospects. They're kind of young. You kind of take a flyer on 18-year-olds. So it was just a way for them to acquire uh, kind of quality you know, defensive catching depth. Um, he's a guy that works really well with pitchers and definitely is familiar with you know, the Astros kind of pitching plan, that kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, what, it wasn't a big trade, but it, it made some sense in the short term. He's also under contract for a few more years after this. Um, so definitely not, a, you know, one of those flashy trades. It was kind of surprising to see them not acquire pitching, but, uh, but Stassi is a guy they do like and, and can work with those pitchers uh, going forward. Yeah, and, and kind of like you were mentioning, he, theoretically he should step right in and, and be on the roster tomorrow when they, when they play against Cleveland. Um, well, we got a question on on Instagram, and I figured this would be um, appropriate to ask you. Do you think he steps in and is the um, everyday catcher right away, or do you think him, and I'm guessing Luke Roy will be the second catcher, uh, splits time? I think they'll probably split time a little bit more. If anything, Luke Roy might get a little bit more. Um, but it's hard to say down the stretch, because like I said, I do think that Stassi is having, uh, being under control through, for another couple of years. The Angels kind of want to see what they have in him more. Uh, going forward, and obviously Luke Roy is going to be a free agent after the year, so there's not as much of a reason to kind of see what he has in a sense, and it kind of depends on where they are in the standings uh, as the season goes along. 
Um, but I, I have a funny feeling he'll get plenty of opportunities. Um, you know, I still get to know this, you know, his pitching staff. Um, he's already familiar with, you know, Doug White, the pitching coach, because Doug White was the, you know, the bullpen coach with the uh, Astros last year. So there's some familiarity there. And like I said, the big thing I think too is with him, with Sassy, is that he really knows, like the Astros always seem to always have the best kind of pitching development programs in terms of helping these pitchers become better. We've seen, you know, Charlie Morton obviously got really good there. He's gone now, but Verlander stepped it up there. You know, we've seen what Garrett Cole's done with the Astros. They do a really good job of kind of even at the major league level, getting the pitchers to really take a step forward. I think the hope is that Staffy knows some of those things that the Astros do to do that, and he can help implement that with Doug White. But, yeah, so I think that we'll see him play probably a little bit less than half the time, and maybe half the time with Luke Roy, but I don't know that he'll be the, the full primary guy. And, and you kind of mentioned it um, earlier about the Angels, everyone thinking them going out and looking for pitching, starting pitching. Um, do you have any idea how close they were? Because they were rumored to be in the uh, Aaron Sanchez um, trade or in discussions. Do you know how close they were or weren't um, in making that trade? Yeah, I mean, they definitely were in on him for sure. You know, I talked to Billy Epler yesterday for a while about everything, and they, they tried really hard to get pitching. You know, they even tried to – he said they, you know, clear prospects, uh, every prospect but one. He didn't name the one, but I think we can all uh, assume pretty, you know, safely that it's Joe, Joe Adele was yeah. the only one he wouldn't trade. And Joe, as you know, got you know promoted to AAA today, which is a big step for him. He's getting close. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, if you're dangling guys out there like Brandon Marsh and some of these top prospects, uh, you know they're serious about it. But, um, you know, I think Sanchez would have made a lot of sense because he's a guy that has really good stuff. Um, and the numbers haven't been very good for him, but the hope is, you know, you can kind of turn him around. I, I'm kind of a, I'm curious to see what the Astros do with him now. Um, you know, there's some other names out there, you know, even, even – you know, Billy Epperson, there's some young guys that are going after some guys that were even surprisingly traded. Um, so you kind of wonder how many younger guys they went after as well, because they were never really going to go after a Katana Roark or a guy that was going to be a free agent because they weren't going to, like, you know, trade away prospects for, for just this year. They wanted a guy who's going to be under contract for next year. So I, I think what happened was I think that there's the, the, the cost was going to be a little too high for how far they've fallen out of the wild card chase this year. Um, so I think they probably figured it would be better to wait into the offseason season. They can try to, you know, a sign free agents and not to trade any prospects. Or if they make a trade in the offseason, it may be for less prospects as you'd have them for a shorter period of time. Because, uh, like I said, this year right now the Angels, what, what six and a half, six games out of the wild card, uh, the odds definitely really aren't, aren't in their favor this year. And and kind of going back to to the Angels and their, you know, be honest, their recent struggles, you know, losing series against the lower teams in the AL. Do you have? Do you feel if maybe that Baltimore series changes a little bit, or maybe the Baltimore and Detroit changes a little bit? Do you think their mindset going into the trade deadline changes also? I do. I do think. I think that definitely kind of sunk their chances a little bit. You know, to go. So coming into that series, you know, they won four in a row. They beat the Dodgers two in a row at Dodger Stadium. You know, they were kind of right in the thick of that wild card chase. It's like, wow, you know, the, the Orioles are coming into town, and and then the Tigers. And they had that, you know, 16-inning game on that Thursday, and it never really recovered. You know, they, they had the rough loss in that one. It affected their pitching for the next few days. They lost the next couple of games. They're and, and at least able to salvage a series and get one win. And in the Tigers, they were just kind of outplayed by a team that had lost, you know, 17 and 19 and um, hadn't won a series in a very long time. So um, I do think that with, with, with the you know, front office seeing that and saying, hey, we, we fell back out of the race, you know, lost, what, at least three games out of that kind of stretch. It was supposed to be the easiest stretch of the entire schedule. Uh, definitely made him probably step back and realize, uh-oh, I don't know if this is really going to 
lead to anything because, you know, right now, too, this road trip is going to be tough, too, coming up. You know, right now, Cleveland's, a, you know, a very good team. Cincinnati is, you know, tied in through, and they're, you know, solid enough. And, you know, then you finish off, uh, you know, going to Boston for four games. So it, it's going to be a tough road trip. The rest of the schedule, they still have a lot of games against the Astros. So I think the front office probably looked at it and realized, hey, we couldn't beat these teams now. We fell back this far. Now we have a really tough schedule the rest of the way. Does it really make sense to trade for guys that are going to help us this year when we really need more help for next year? Was there any thought of going the opposite way then and selling off some pieces? Because uh, I believe it was Tuesday night, I think Jeff Fletcher reported that um, people were talking to about picking up or trading for Luke Roy and uh, Brian Goodwin. Was there any kind of discussion as far as the other way? They, how close were they to selling some of these, these players and maybe getting some kind of flyer uh, prospect back? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I thought that there, there was some talk on that. I, Luke Roy would have made, made some sense because they could have traded him, especially acquiring Sassy, and they could have kept, you know, Kevin Smith as your backup. My guess is Kevin Smith's probably going to be DFA'd, unless he goes on the injured list because he does have that kind of toe-slash-chin problem. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Luke Roy was his name. He had Goodwin. Uh, you know, I've had a nice year as an extra outfielder. Uh, he could have been expendable. But I, I think the big thing was I think the return on those guys would have been so insignificant that – you know, I don't know how much it would have really helped him going forward. He, you know, he might have been able to get a flyer on, gosh, probably a really low-level prospect that, you know, the odds of him panning out would have been really low or maybe just some sort of, you know, run-of-the-mill reliever type pitcher that wouldn't really help them that much. So you wonder if it was just because of the cost. The guy, even though you maybe would have got something in return, I don't know that maybe it would have been really worth trading them and losing your depth the rest of the year. So uh, that was a hard thing this year, but there wasn't really this team, even though they could have sold – there wasn't really that many options in terms of guys that really had much value, uh, at least in terms of guys that were going to be free agents soon. Um, I, the one other guy that would have actually had the most value, and I don't think they're that serious about trading him, was, was Cole Calhoun. You know, next year he had the option that they could pick up for, I believe, was it 13 or $14 million. Uh, he's having a nice year, you know, with the power um, in his defense. So that, that was one guy, if they decided not to pick up the option, he could have been tradable, but clearly that wasn't in the cards, and he wasn't even a name that really popped up at all. Now, last time I had you on, I, I kind of asked you the question as far as this being a single trade de- trade deadline year where there's, you know, this is the team now, you know, unless someone gets a waiver claim or something like that. But I asked you, you know, do you think there's going to be a lot more or a lot less trading uh, because of it? Now, looking back at it, you know, you pretty much had almost 24 hours now to kind of look back at the trading uh, deadline. Do you think this is what Major League Baseball wanted or do you think they were hoping for maybe more more action? My guess is MLB probably wanted more action because it wasn't, you know, there was some flurry at the end there, and obviously the big one with Zach Greinke, uh, you know, going to the Astros, also also Hershey Angels too. Um, there wasn't that many big time moves, and it was kind of crazy to see the Red Sox, Dodgers, and Yankees not do anything really at all um, to help their teams at the deadline. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that so many teams right now are still kind of in it this early in the season. That obviously it's not that early, but you know, I think there's still two months left, and they're still enough teams within, you know, four or five games of a wild card spot in both leagues that I think they're just a lot less sellers and the teams that were sellers just didn't have as much to offer this year. So just kind of a smaller market. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it could have just been one of those things where this was just happened to be, I said, it could have been one of those years where there just wasn't much available just because of that, you know, the way things worked out. But I mean, there's been talk about maybe pushing back the deadline to August 15th just because it gives more time for teams to figure out exactly what they are. Um, so I, I do think that I expected some more trades. I think MLB wanted some more. If it weren't for the crazy Bauer trade, crazy Frankie trade, um, I don't know 
that, you know, it was, it was kind of crazy that that was kind of the big ones. Otherwise, there wasn't really that much action in the deadline. Yeah, and so with the trades that were made, I'm talking about, like, obviously Major League Baseball, the whole the whole league, um, what one trade kind of, when it came across your feed or came across, you know, a text, whatever, which one really caught your eye and you thought, wow, I didn't see that one coming? Definitely the Granky one. Granky going to Houston did not see that coming whatsoever. Never saw his name as a possible trade candidate. You heard about guys like Stroman. I mean, it was definitely crazy to see Stroman go to the Mets. No one saw that coming either. But you knew he was going to get traded. Um, same kind of thing, you know, with, with, with the Reds getting Bauer. You knew Bauer was going to get traded. Uh, well, not so much you knew, but it, with, with, that was kind of the rumor at least that day, at least kind of after the craziness with him throwing the ball over center field. <laughs> you knew Bauer could get traded. Um, but the fact that one happened wasn't a surprise that he got traded. It was more than it was to the Reds. But the one that was just kind of the jaw dropper was, wow, I can't believe the Astros did this and went all in. Um, but the one side benefit to it, I mean, it stinks because he's got a couple more years left on his contract, so the Angels have to face him a lot. But the, the one side benefit is he is owed, you know, a lot of money the next two years. I know that the Diamondbacks did pay for part of his contract, but um, it could definitely hamper the Astros' ability to, to retain Garrett Cole. And to me, I just think that Garrett Cole just makes so much sense for the Angels this offseason, no matter what the cost is. They need a frontline starter so bad, and he'll be out there. He wants to come home. He'd love to pitch for the Angels. I think it's just, you know, or at least a local team, if, of course, the money's right. So I just think that that's the one side benefit, at least that the Granky thing does kind of hurt the absolute chances of re-signing Cole. But the problem is they also got Granky, and they also got, you know, Aaron Sanchez, who could, uh, you know, bounce back if they can kind of get him on a, uh, on the right path. So, yeah, t- tough for the Angels to see that, you know, the toughest team in the division continue to make crazy moves like that. But, uh, you know, I think this team, this offseason is going to be very, very important for them to really – uh, be aggressive and get pitching because I think this offense, you know, for the Angels is good enough, and I'm excited to see Joe Adele. What he can do going forward, you know, he's, he could be up, you know, as a September call-up, should be up next year. Um, I like the offense. It's just they, they need pitching so bad, and I think that this offseason they've got to find a way to, you know, either sign or trade for some some top-end starters. And, and that's kind of what I was going to ask, too. Is it – I know Epler can't say it outright, but is it pretty safe to say that uh, Garrett Cole is going to be the Angels' number one target going into the offseason as a free agent pickup? Yeah, I think it's definitely fair to say. I mean, like I said, he can't, he's not going to say that outright, but yeah, I mean, it is definitely. Because, you know, even Cole, from, from what I've heard at the All-Star game, was asking questions about the Angels, kind of from even media and teammates, because he's kind of intrigued by it, because, you know, he's a local kid, you know, from uh, from Orange County that I think he'd like to come home. Uh, but, you know, obviously money's going to talk. If some East Coast team throws a lot of money at him, he's, I'm sure he's not going to say no. Um, but I think the Angels at least know they have a little bit of a, uh, you know, a little bit of a heads up on that one, or at least a little bit of a, they, they know there's some, you know, some mutual interest, even though they can't do the because of tampering and all that. But I, I do think that for them, that they have to go after him hard. And I do think there'll be some mutual interest there. Um, it's just a matter of it happening and what kind of money it's going to take. You know, he's probably going to at least get, you know, six years, is my guess, considering he's had such a big year again. I think he's one of the fastest pitchers ever to 200 strikeouts this year. He's really become an elite starter. So, yeah, my, my guess is, and I think he'd be a perfect fit. They really need a top of the rotation guy badly. They don't really have anything close to that right now. Yeah, it, like you said, this top of the rotation guy. Like I've always tried to tell our fans or people that just kind of reach out to us, what do you think? I'm like, you put Cole in a room, but you put Trout, you put Otani, you put you know your big, big, big wigs in the room, and, and hopefully that's enough to say, all right, yeah, I'm coming over. Um, so kind of like on the other end now, where what's one player that didn't move that? You were, you were expecting to move somewhere? Good question. I mean, I'm trying to think of, of some of the top starters. I, mean, I think I think a lot of people thought that maybe Syndergaard 
or Wheeler would get moved after the Mets traded for Stroman. So I think that was kind of my initial thinking, I guess. The fact that he wasn't moved uh, was a little surprising. The same thing with Madison Bumgarner. Um, I mean, the fact that the Giants have been on such a crazy, you know, stretch right now makes, you know, makes, makes a little bit more sense why they didn't trade Bumgarner because they're kind of back into that, into that wild card trade. But at the same time, you know, outside of this recent stretch, the Giants have been pretty bad now for a while. To think they're all of a sudden going to be back in it seems a little bit crazy to me. But, um, but you know, Bumgarner's been a big part of that franchise for a long time, and they might as well go for it, especially in last year. So I understood it to a certain degree. But, yeah, for me, it was just kind of those, those big starting pitchers out there that I think teams could have got a pretty good haul for, uh, and then they decided to kind of hold on to these guys. So moving forward now, like I said earlier, the trade deadline's over. These, This is the team pretty much, and you got, you know, like September call-ups, you know, next month. But going forward with this team, realistically, are they going to be playing the kids, playing, trying to get like a Joe Adele up during September call-ups and giving them a bunch of uh, at-bats to see what they have? Or do you think they kind of stick with kind of what they're doing right now and the players they have right now? I guess it's going to be one of those things. We'll see how August goes because, you know, if they have a big August, you know, and play really well, it could change their plans. They could go for it in September. But if they have a lackluster August, I guess because they have a pretty tough schedule in August, and right now their pitching kind of is a, uh, you know, pretty much a mess right now with their starting rotation with the way things have been going. Um, if they were to kind of fall out of the race in, in August, I think that, yeah, September would definitely be a month where we'd see a lot of young guys, and potentially Adele up here, you know, get more playing time for Matt Bice, who's actually, you know, had a nice little run here recently, uh, showing a little bit more power at the plate. Um, guys like that, some of the younger guys, I think, could get some playing time for sure. Um, if they do fall out of it, it's just going to kind of matter how they play this, this month. And really, even, even this this upcoming road trip that starts tomorrow on Friday is going to be kind of make or break too. But I, I just wonder too, but I feel like, you know, we'll see anything. We'll see how the rest of the season goes. But I, just, I wonder if you look back at that Thursday night game against Baltimore, it's kind of the turning point in the season where, you know, you thought maybe there was a chance they could kind of get back in it. And that was the night that it all kind of might've fallen apart just because that, you know, they, they had chances and they lose that game. And then ever since then, they've kind of been that slide. And now it's up to them to get out of it and we'll kind of see how it goes, but it's not going to be easy with this uh, upcoming road trip. You mentioned Matt Thice having a really good week. Is is this surprising anybody in the organization at all, or is this something when they brought him up they were expecting this kind of uh, production, especially in the power? Well, certainly they were hoping for it. I mean, the one thing that he has been working on in the last you know, year and a half or so, if not longer, is trying to unlock a little bit more power. Um, you know, he's always had a, you know, in college he was a great hitter. He even had some success as a hitter in the low minor leagues, even with, his swing at the time, but they kind of had to retool it a little bit. They didn't feel like he could get to like, you know, his swing path was going to get to velocity enough or really bring enough power. Um, so his power numbers have slightly improved over the last couple of years, um, but still not elite power for, for a corner infielder. So I think that's why this year they tried to move him to third base, increase his versatility. Um, and, and, you know, he's done pretty well at 30. He's had a, he had a little bit of a rough stretch though. Defensive, sorry, defensively recently couple balls have gotten by him but but you're right offensively the power has been definitely a, a big improvement um and i think they're hopeful that that'll continue i mean they still like him a lot he's he, you know the former first rounder he's still among their top five or six or seven uh you know prospects um so there's still certainly a lot of hope there um and this is a good stretch and kind of at least shows some some promise um that he does have some power here and hopefully he continue to you know to, to develop as a defender See what they have in him kind of going forward, but uh, it's definitely a good sign at least because you know he definitely looked, he looked a little overmatched early on, but the last week or so he's definitely looked better. And, and last time we talked, Otani just started throwing off a mound. Um, 
I think the day of or maybe the day after we talked. Um, so what's the status on him? Is everything still kind of um, on pace to obviously not pitch this year, but in the start of spring training next year? Yeah, exactly. He's just kind of still throwing bullpens. I haven't heard if he, I don't think he's throwing anything other than fastball still. I think he's just throwing more pitches and kind of uh, with more intensity, you know, kind of working the, the breaking balls and everything else and the splitter as he goes along. But yeah, everything's going to plan. Um, I think the, the hope is for him to kind of get through it all without any setbacks, you know, by the end of the season. Because by the time the end of the season comes, they've gotten through the entire rehab process and then he'll go into next year, um, you know, have a full healthy off season and then go into next year and spring training and be kind of with the rest of the pitchers and not have to be, you know, kind of held back too much. Um, but we'll kind of see, I think later in September, we'll, we'll kind of see how, how aggressive it gets with, you know, starts facing, starts facing hitters at all, or how often he's going to kind of um, throw and if it's going to affect his hitting at all later in the year. But as of right now, it's still kind of in stages where he's throwing every couple of days and then throwing off a mound, and, but mostly just fastball. So it's not too, too extreme just yet. Now, two other pitchers I want to ask about that are also working their way back. Um, one is Andrew Heaney and one is King Middleton. Middleton having to set back. Is there any new news on him as far as when they expect him to start back up again? And if that starting back up again also has a rehab start somewhere in there or rehab assignment in there? So Heaney and Middleton both played catch together uh, just the other day. Um, from what I hear, Heaney's going to try to throw a bullpen session on Friday. Um, and if all goes well in that, um, I don't know if he'll throw another one or if he'll go right into a rehab from there. My guess is maybe another bullpen and then go from there to a rehab assignment. Um, I think he'll make at least one start and a rehab assignment. Heaney will because they got to make sure the shoulder is okay. You know, they don't want to bring him up and activate him and then just have him pitch and all of a sudden what, what if the shoulder bothers him in the start, especially with this rotator and they can't afford for him to come up and only last an inning or two and have an issue. They need him to go to a rehab assignment first to prove that he's healthy, and then they'll activate him. Um, as for, so he's still a little bit away, maybe a couple weeks. Middleton, same thing, playing catch. He hasn't got on the mound. He's got a little bit of a setback with the Tommy John where uh, neuritis, essentially, basically there's a little bit of a nerve sensitivity in his elbow from near where the elbow you know, was operated on. Um, so he's doing a little, a little bit of numbness stuff like that in his fingers. So it's not, you know, it, it's something that happens, but it's obviously going to be a little scary, but it's gotten better. Um, so he's playing catch. Uh, my assumption is he'll probably throw a bullpen next week at some point. And then for him, at least being a reliever, it'd be a quicker process. But he'd, be, he'd get back on the rehab too uh, from there. So I, I have to figure he's probably two, three weeks out as well. So we might not see these guys till late August is maybe my best guess. But, uh, but they are throwing, which is a good sign. Uh, getting back, but I do think they're still both of them are still several weeks away. All right, and, I, and this will be my my last question for you because again, thank you so much for your time. Uh, you know, I'm guessing you're going to have to have a get on a plane sometime soon to get out to uh, Cleveland because I think are, are you still in California? Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, last question: uh, How different do you feel this team will look? You know, pitching wise, position player wise, uh, next year opening day. I mean, I think that we could see a pretty big overhaul in terms of at least the pitching-wise. I mean, I'm curious on the offensive side, see how comfortable they are with Stassi at catcher. They need to get another catcher this offseason, too, uh, to, you know, pair with him or and how aggressive they're going to be with that. Um, but on the position player side, there's not that many other additions. We'll kind of see what they want to do in right field, if they want to you know, bring back Calhoun or not, or if they want to roll with Adele as their everyday guy out there, and, you know, and what they want to do with, you know, Dell in center or Trout or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, 
But I think the pitching staff, yeah, will look a lot different. I mean, they have to make some overhauls. I mean, we'll still see some of the guys. I mean, he's still, you know, a guy they can count on. They, they like Griffin Canning a lot. They still like Suarez's potential and Berea's potential. You know, they, they've got some, you know, Sandoval's got the potential. There are some other options internally, um, but it's clear they need some, some help on their rotation, and I just don't think that they can afford to do what they did last offseason, which I thought made some sense, at least in the short term. You know, they, they spent money on guys like Harvey and Cahill, you know, Cody Allen's short-term contract to try to fill in holes. That obviously didn't work whatsoever. So I think they got to get away from that strategy a little bit. And I do think that, that Cole uh, would make a ton of sense to leave that rotation. And then from there, whether you do go sign a secondary option like a Tanner Rorark or Rorark or you trade for, you know, a guy who's under control in the offseason, I think you've got to bring in at least two new starters. Uh, and not just starters that they're taking a flyer on, not guys like Harvey or Cahill. they got to get two starters that are like top end or at least a one and a two or a one and a three uh, to mix into that rotation or else they're just not going to be uh, I don't think they'll have enough to be, you know, competitive. I think they'll be similar to what they were again this year, which is, you know, even this year, it's impressive that they're above 500 considering everything they've gone through. And I hope that next year they won't have to go through all these injuries and craziness and just a tough, you know, it's been sad too, you know, with, with Skag and it's been a really tough year. So I think the hope is next year to have a more legitimate rotation to go with an already pretty good offense and defense. Um, and, and the bullpen's been okay. And maybe something you can always add to the bullpen. Um, so I, I do think at least in the pitching staff we'll see a different team next year uh, because I think the fans deserve, and I think Billy's getting a little bit – feeling like he needs to be a little bit more aggressive uh, to, to try to put a postseason team back out there with this roster, especially with Otani you know, pitching again next year. And, and you kind of mentioned it a little bit with Epler. Um, this is my last question because I just, it, just, it just popped in my head. Is he, yeah, feeling, is he feeling any pressure as far as having to put a winning team out there next year, seeing how some of those – uh, one-year contracts, the Cahills, the Harveys, the Allens didn't work really at all this year. This, do you think he's feeling any pressure knowing that his contract is coming up? I guess not pressure in that sense so much. I don't. I think that Billy's done a good enough job building the farm system and the fact that he was able to acquire Otani, the fact that he signed Trout to the, the, the extension. I don't think he, I didn't mean in terms of feeling heat in terms of his job status. It was just more he just knows that, you know, that that, that strategy that they tried last offseason didn't work and that they've got to find one, even if it is going to be more aggressive. And obviously, Artie's going to have to, to be a big part of this, too, and be willing to spend the money. But I think he's got to realize that, 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 that the makeshift rotation and the, the little, you know, kind of one-year deals for this rotation, just it's just not enough. And they've got to get more, you know, frontline-type guys at the top of that rotation if they really want to be a serious contender. Um, so I think it's more that he just realizes the window is coming up now where he can be more aggressive and they can kind of really go for it. So, yeah, I, I don't think that he feels any, you know, job security issues because I do think that getting, you know, the Tawny deal done and the Trout deal and, and even the farm system, you know, and he hit on Tommy Stella. That was a good, you know, good, good trade and the Buttree trades. It's not like he's swung and missed at everything. It's just, I, I think fans are just kind of, you know, sick of hearing that they tried for Corbin and didn't get him in the offseason, sick of hearing they tried to trade for guys that the deadline didn't happen. Um, so I think it's more of a fan thing where I think the fans, it's been a while since the last playoff thing, I think Billy knows that fans would love to do it. Obviously, he's going to do what's best for the organization, not always cater to fans what they want. He's going to do what he thinks is going to make the team better going forward. But I do think that he's going to have to realize that they got to just kind of really go for the pitching end this year if they want to be competitive next year. Awesome, man. Thank you very much again with your time. Um, again, this is awesome having you back a second time. Gives us all the confidence of world being like, all right, we did it. Um, but thanks again. <laughs> Safe travels to Cleveland and, um, you know, 
uh, we'll definitely follow you on. You want to go ahead and give out your Twitter and all your information? Awesome. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Brett Bollinger uh, is my uh, Twitter, uh, Twitter handle, and you can find all my stuff at uh, angels.com and try to tweet out a lot of my stories. If not, they're all there. Uh, you know, you got our daily stories and notebooks and, you know, kind of write about all the main part of every game and, and try to figure out the, the, you know, kind of the big picture stuff. And uh, we've got some trade deadline stuff, obviously, on the site right now and all sorts of stuff. So, yeah, definitely check it out at angels.com. And uh, my Twitter is just at Red Bullinger. So, yeah, thanks for having me on again. It's definitely awesome. And anytime. All right, man. Thank you very much. And that was uh, my interview I did with Red Bollinger earlier today talking about tread deadline and, and, you know, kind of where the Angels go from here and, and for the rest of the season and stuff like that. But, again, thank you, Red, for taking time out. Um, and it's, it's always cool to see you guys come back on afterwards. I mean, we've had Gooby on this year and last year. We've had Red now twice in one year. We've had Brandon Marsh twice in one year. Um, so they have guys that come back uh, for a second time you know, kind of shows us that we're doing something right. And we want to thank all those guests that, um, that, that, that do come back. And it's awesome for us to have those guys back. Um, again, so, you know, rate review us on, on, on Apple podcasts for people that listen on the iOS, but you can also listen to us on Spotify and Google play. Uh, those are probably the easiest three ways to listen to us. We're also on Spreaker. Um, but definitely give us a listen, give us a review, give us uh, rate us, uh, five stars if you're really good five stars if you're really bad this is how it works I don't know um, but anyways I'd like to take a second to introduce our newest friends from SeatGeek let them take the confusion out of your ticket buying experience instead of shopping dozens of sites to find the best deals let SeatGeek do the work for you their app scans the web for the best deals to your favorite game, concert, or show and rates them on a scale of 0 to 10 to let you know if you're getting the best bang for your buck a green dot makes a uh, great deal. Yellow dot means a good deal. And a red dot means not so good deal. Use promo code ACAA at checkout to receive $20 off your first purchase. That's two free beers at the stadium on them. What are you waiting for? That's promo code ACAA for $20 off your first purchase. SeatGeek, license event. We have the tickets. So, again, check that out. Um, you know, for Angel Games coming up, you got, like I said, football games coming up. You got concerts all over the place, whether they be at the Honda Center, whether they be at the Staples Center, whether they be, you know, anywhere. Check uh, SeatGeek out. But again, that was our uh, special, you know, uh, interview podcast with Red Bollinger. Thanks again for spending his time out before he jumps on a plane to get to Cleveland. That means a lot. Um, but definitely check us out again. Uh, Halo underscore Haven on all social media platforms. That's Instagram and Twitter. Um, give us a follow on there. Um, questions, comments, concerns, anything you want that's guaranteed to be read on the on the pod. Easiest way to do it is at uh, it's all angels podcast at gmail.com. That's all angels podcast at gmail.com. So there's gonna be this episode, and then there's one more episode we're also gonna be doing later tonight, Thursday night. Um, it's going to be our regular show with Johnny and myself and maybe a special guest that might be dropping in for the first time. And I got to look up the last time he was on. So again, um, check us out. Um, something we're going to try to do at the beginning of next week. We're going to have, we're trying to work it out. We'll see how it goes. Um, just got to figure out times, but we're going to be talking to another podcast, angel podcast that, uh, that I, I enjoy listening to. Uh, when it comes out again, you know, there's a lot of time to spend on um, listening to podcasts. Like I said, when we interviewed Taylor Blake Ward, um, you live in Southern California, there's a good chance you're in traffic, bar none. 
there's a good chance that your commute's going to be a little bit. So uh, what I like to do is I'll put on different podcasts, you know, sometimes it's just kind of sports in general, and then sometimes it's angel-based podcasts. And, and we're not the only one out there. Um, Lockdown does a really good job, but also Talking Halos do, does a really good job. And we are looking forward to, and then hopefully everything works out, talking to the guys uh, this weekend that will probably come out Monday. Uh, but that's something that's really interesting and really should be really fun to do and look out for that as well. So, again, subscribe, comment, uh, review on us on the uh, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Play, um, pretty much anywhere you can get a podcast. But definitely check us out. Follow us. Um, again, so we will be back later today, actually. So that's the funny part. So if you're listening to us on a Friday, you probably already have both um, podcasts in your on your phone. So thank you again for listening and, and we appreciate it. And we'll, I will talk to you later. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And... Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs. A gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.